So I'm going to read from Daniel 3, the image of gold and the blazing furnace. And I'm going to want audience participation. So when I say Shadrach, I want you to respond with Meshach and Abednego. So if I say Shadrach, you say Excellent. So this repeats several times through the passage, and if you're following here, you'll see where we get up to. The image of gold and the blazing furnace. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and six cubits wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He summoned the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. And so the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and all the people of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At that time, some of the astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship this image of gold. And whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods and worship the image of gold that I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, 
the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, and all kinds of music. If you're ready to fall down and worship the image I have made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what god will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in the army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet, amazed, and asked his advisers, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He then said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisers crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was their hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I decree that the peoples of all nations, all language, who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego be cut into pieces and the houses turned into piles of rubble 
For no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. This is the word of the Lord. Well done, Colin. It is a wonderful, wonderful story. Some of us have grown up with these great stories from childhood, whether it's familiar to you or whether it's a a new story. There are cracking stories in the Old Testament. Uh, We worship the God who is the same yesterday, today and forever. Let's pray he comes and speaks to us this morning. We worship you, Lord God, our Father, the creator of heaven and earth, the one for whom nothing is impossible. So we hear the storm raging round about us. Uh, We pray that you would come and speak like you did to Elijah, not so much in the storm, but in that still small voice. May each of us hear you speak today as we think about this story. As I speak, will you come by your spirit and speak to us and give us grace to trust you, whatever pressure we are facing. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're looking through the, some of the stories in the book of Daniel in the mornings and 1 Peter in the evenings, looking at how to trust God in the face of living in a sort of hostile environment. And certainly Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were in a hostile environment. There's no doubt about that. We've called the series Faith Under Pressure. I've been thinking as I've been preparing to preach this week just about the heroes who have given their lives for God more Christian martyrs in the last century than the rest of the world put together, uh, some happening around the world today. I was thinking about the uh, martyrs in Uganda. My wife, Juliet, together with some of us from the church, went out to Kira Farm in November. That is just a very few miles outside Kampala, just a few miles away from Namugongo, where the seminary there is built, where the boy martyrs were burnt in a fire. Uh, About 140 years ago, as the gospel came to Uganda, the Kabaka of of Uganda, the king, uh, was not impressed with this, but many of his page boys and attendants came to faith in Jesus and gave him less than the rapt attention he wanted. And he burnt them alive in the fire. I'm sure the Lord walked with them, but took them to glory rather than what happened to Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. The one in charge of the execution had a son who was good friends with many who died. He said, Jesus is my king and I'm ready to die for him. Uh, That was the start of the church in Uganda, which has faced uh, terrible times 40 years ago under Idi Amin or more. Uh, But many countries in the world where these sort of thing is still going on. And from then, the blood of the martyrs has been the seed of the church that has grown. Now, we may not face pressure like that. Our lives may not be threatened, though it may come at some point in the future or the Lord may take us to countries where that is the case. But we all know what it is to face pressure. Are we going to bow to the pressure even though we know it goes against our faith or are we going to trust God in it? Uh, For those who weren't here last week, uh, the book of of Daniel is set against the exile in Babylon. About 600 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar, a megalomaniac ruler of the greatest empire on the earth at the time, has conquered all 
and he's taken Jews from, it, from Jerusalem into exile. And Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are in the king's service. They've, uh, they drew a line over the king's food and wine, and God honored them in that in chapter 1. We've missed out chapter 2, though it's a great story, and I commend it to you, where they've prayed together under huge pressure, and God has honored them. And they now face new responsibilities. King Nebuchadnezzar has promoted them. If we just read the end of chapter 2, verses 48 and 49, the king placed Daniel in a high position, lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all his wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed, no need to repeat this time, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon. And they are facing huge pressure. First of all, the pressure of new responsibility. When any of you step up into a responsible post, there is a pressure. I remember when I became a vicar at the same time as we had three children under the age of two, I felt the weight of responsibility very heavily. Uh, and there are times when it still feels heavy being responsible. And they faced a normal responsibility of, a, of being responsible uh, significantly. They faced the pressure of being Jewish young men in a season in Babylon where there was great nationalist fervor. This statue set up by Nebuchadnezzar, uh, meant to be a focus of unity for his empire, presumably, where everybody, whoever they are, should bow down and worship when they hear all the music. You know what music can do to stir people up, whether it's military bands or war dances. It adds to the sort of jingoism and the national fervor. And if you are, in a sense, opposed to that, there is a huge pressure. Parts of the world today where there's nationalism combined, uh, for example, uh, many Christians in India are told they can't be proper Indians if they're not Hindu. There's a pressure there. Or in Pakistan, uh, if they're not Muslims, how can they be Christians and be properly part of this nation? Uh, so many of those sorts of places where the pressure on Christians is combined with the nationalism. Uh, for the early Christians, the pressure was to bow the knee to Caesar as Lord. But they wouldn't. And many of them gave their lives as well. They faced peer pressure. This is very strong. Uh, you know the pressure when you're a teenager growing up, whether it's about wearing the right clothes or the right, listening to the right music or as you get older, driving the right car. Nobody wants to stand out. Uh, the truth is that if we choose to follow Jesus Christ as our Lord, there will be pressure and in different ways degrees of persecution. Paul wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.12, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now obviously the story we're reading is an extreme version, but there are people around the world, our brothers and sisters, facing something similar today. They, faced, they had to live with unpredictable leadership. Nebuchadnezzar, you never quite knew where you were with him. At the end of the last story, he's so pleased with Daniel and his three friends, he's promoted them. Now he's furious with them, and they don't know really where they are. At the end of chapter 2, if we just go back another verse to chapter 2, verse 47, the king had said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. Daniel interpreted his dream for him. So you think, oh great, the king's coming on side. Now, if they won't bow down to his statue, they're going into the burning, fiery furnace. Uh, that is really hard. Some of you work in workplaces where your boss is extraordinarily unpredictable. Uh, I have my own unpredictabilities. You can pray for the staff here. Uh, 
that I'm not quite as bad as Nebuchadnezzar, I think, and I haven't thrown anyone into a furnace yet. But some of you will know the pressure that it is of being under a really difficult, ungodly leadership where you never quite know where you are. They faced the envy of people around them. They'd been promoted and the others hadn't. Uh, let's read verses 8 to 12 again of our chapter. At this time, some astrologers, could be Chaldeans, you could read that, came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. Uh, whether they meant that or not, that's what you had to say. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, very kind of you, Column, not to make us repeat that the whole way through as well, must fall down and worship the image of gold. That whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews who you've set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. Do you get the idea? We're just concerned for your majesty. This isn't about us at all. We don't want to be promoted. We just want you to be honored and worshipped. Uh, they neither serve your gods nor worship the image of God you've set up. Clearly, there's envy going on. They want these people done down. Uh, it's not just Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but it's the whole of their people, the Jews. And then the most obvious pressure is fear. They are threatened with their lives. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where your life's under threat at all. It is terrifying. And they were told, if you will not bow down, you will go into the burning fiery furnace. And they were in no doubt that Nebuchadnezzar meant it. Verse 15 of our chapter. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar says, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? They had worshipped God in Jerusalem and Nebuchadnezzar had defeated Jerusalem. They would have wondered, well, Lord, what are you going to do? Uh, I said I've been thinking about the church in Uganda recently. Some of you will know the story of Archbishop Janani Lewum. Uh, who gave his life as a martyr the end of the 1970s. If you go to Westminster Abbey, there are 10 modern martyrs over the big west door, and he is one of them, along with people like Oscar Romero and Martin Luther King uh, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer, others from the 20th century. He was the archbishop when Idi Amin was the president, and he gathered the bishops together. They knew they had to confront Idi Amin about what was going on. Uh, I quote, he said, I know that the position we take is going to cause death to someone, probably to me, but we must go and confront the president. So they did. Armin was also a totalitarian head of state, a mass murderer, and the bishops went and Janani Lewum said, Mr. President, what you are doing is wrong in the sight of Almighty God. He didn't know what would happen. Tremendous pressure of fear. And then there's the question, to add to all these pressures, is a delaying God. Uh, the hardest pressure of all, when it seems that God's gone on holiday and left you alone. Why has God not hidden Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego so nobody noticed they weren't bowing down? Why has he allowed this to come uh, to the king? Why has he not worked in the king so the king said, ah yes, but I know these and they trust their God and they're reliable. Where's God gone? What's he doing? Now, we've all felt that at different times. God, what, what about me? You seem to be answering everybody else's prayer. Where have you gone? And when you get a combination of pressures like that, it can be very, very difficult. 
and you will all have different things in your own mind about where you face pressure. What then about the resources they found? Uh, well, first of all, they found a tremendous strength in each other. Uh, we said earlier today, we, want to, we encourage people in this church to be in prayer triplets or formations or prayer partnerships, whatever you call them. Uh, there's one or two five-mations around. I'm not quite sure how that works. But uh, the idea is to, with a small group of people, you can really share how things really are. Small groups of eight to 12, you can share quite appropriately a lot of stuff, but some stuff is more personal than that. Uh, really important to have people you can be honest with fully. Say, this is what I'm really facing. Pray with me. Uh, this prayer quad, if you like, a formation. We first met it last week in chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Uh, among those chosen to be educated in Babylon for the civil service there was Daniel. Their, their Jewish names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. We know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that they were given. Uh, we find in chapter 2, the king has a dream that he requires to be interpreted. No one can do it. Chapter 2, 17 and 18, Daniel came back to his house and explained the matter to his friends. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so he and his friends might not be executed. The king was threatening death again. There is a prayer triplet or cord that is there, day in, day out, week in, week out. And now with the pressure of the burning fiery furnace, they find strength together. Uh, these things happen naturally as friendships grow. We can't force anyone to pray together. But if you're looking for being linked together uh, with folks in a prayer triplet or quad, do send an email to Jan and we'll try and make suggestions. We can't guarantee that it will click. But if you pray, Lord, show me who I can really pray with uh, and be a strength to each other, uh, then the Lord will lead. If you form one, do let us know because uh, we want to pray for everybody, but also we don't want to try and uh, we want to link people together who aren't yet in these groups. Uh, they found strength from each other. They chose to put their trust in God. Faith is really the opposite of fear. Fear, if you like, is faith in the bad. The more you dwell on the bad, the more afraid you are, and that's where you put your trust. Faith is choosing to put your trust in God, even when it doesn't feel like it. These amazing verses, Daniel 3, 16 to 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. That is, takes extraordinary courage. But choosing to trust God and face his way works against the fear. And then they found a fellowship with God in the furnace. How many times when we go through difficult things do we feel the Lord's presence with us in it? Rather than saving us from it, he walks through it. Uh, Psalm 23 verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Uh, so here, let's just read on to verses 24 and 25. They've been thrown into the fire. King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked an advisor, weren't there three men we tied up and threw in the fire? Certainly, your majesty. 
Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Was this an angel? Was it Jesus himself, pre-incarnate, come to walk with them in the fire? We don't know. But we do know that in Isaiah 43, 1 and 2, God says this. This is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel. Do not fear, I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. God is the same today. Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. And he says to us, he will be with us. He is Emmanuel, Jesus, God who is with us. Uh, right at the end of Matthew's gospel, Matthew 28 and verse 20, Jesus famously says, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now there are hundreds and thousands of Christian martyrs who God walks with through death. They're not released from the fire like these three were. But whatever you face, the promise of God is that he will be with us in it. So what was the impact of all of that? Let's read again uh, the last few verses of the story, chapter 3 from verse 26. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So they came out of the fire and the satraps and all the others crowded round them. They saw the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched. There was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him. They defied the king's command. They were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. And then a bit of true Nebuchadnezzar comes out. Therefore I decree that the people of any national language who say anything against their God will be cut in pieces and their houses turned to rubble. So he's obviously a lovely fellow still. But he's recognized that God is there. No God can save in this way. Amazing impact. Is that what, that's what we long people would say about us when we're under pressure. They trusted in their God. They defied an ungodly command. They risked their lives, perhaps their reputation, their livelihood. I love that verse in Revelation 12, which is talking about conquering the devil through the cross and testimony. Revelation 12:11. They triumphed over him, that's over the evil one, by the blood of the lamb, by what Jesus has done, and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. And I'm always inspired reading the stories of these martyrs. I talked a few weeks ago about the Oxford martyrs at the Martyrs Memorial there in Oxford. We were down visiting Josh a couple of weeks ago and stood on the place in Broad Street where it's marked with a cross. It's just amazing thinking of what people have done. Uh, to come back to the Uganda theme, when Janani Luwum uh, and the bishops went, he was taken away he was tried publicly as a traitor to Idi Amin he stood there silently and he was driven away to torture and death but he had that deep confidence in God that God would not let him down 
and he would be with him for all eternity. Uh, they were not allowed to hold a public funeral. They wouldn't release Janani Luwum's body for burial. So they dug an empty grave at Namarembi Cathedral and they held a service. Five million people turned up. And one of the other bishops preached on the text, he is not here, he has risen. Janani, go, when you go to Westminster Abbey, Luwum is one of the ones along there, one of the great heroes of the last century who did in front of Idi Amin what Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego did in front of Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, what's our response to all that? Let's just put up this last verse from Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, before we pray together. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Hebrews 11 is a list of them, but we thought about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. We thought about Janani Lewum. Uh, this great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so you will not grow weary and lose heart. Would you stand and we'll pray into that. Perhaps the band would come back ready to lead us in a moment or two. Lord Jesus, when we read these stories of people who have risked their lives or given their lives, we feel so unworthy. Some of the things which trip us up in our faith seem so pathetic by comparison and yet you know us and you love us you know that we are dust you know we're weak come and send your spirit on us afresh today on me on each one of us and strengthen us to be faithful to Jesus whatever pressures we are facing to lift our eyes to him and look to him to trust your promise that when the waters come they will not overwhelm us. That when the fire is there, uh, it will not burn us ultimately. We know we are safe with you. That even walking through the darkest valley, you are there. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you walked that road for us. That you went the way of the cross, paying the price for our sins, so we can be free, forgiven, and secure in you. We pray for us as we pray for the whole church in the West that you would give us a renewed confidence in you. May we learn from our brothers and sisters around the world who face these sort of pressures daily. Bless them. And may the impact of their faithfulness lead to people turning to you as we see Nebuchadnezzar's reaction. So now come Holy Spirit and minister to us in the pressures we face, the fears we've carried. And as we lift them to you, will your perfect love cast out the fear and give us grace to trust you. Let's be still for a minute or two together. Thank you, Lord, that you give us brothers and sisters in our great family 
and we pray that you will link people together in twos and threes and fours, quite apart from the smaller groups and bigger groups. That we can support one another and pray for one another as Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego did. Put names in our heads of who we could look to pray with. Give us grace, Lord, to open up, as it were, the windows of our hearts to let you in, not to brick you out. But come and we welcome you to come and fill us with your love and your joy and your peace. And where anyone here is feeling afraid or perhaps sad, if there's a, a heaviness, we pray, Lord, for grace that those around us with the lights we carry would be able to minister to them. There'd be an opportunity after the service to come for prayer or maybe just to talk to whoever you're next to and pray together. But Lord, as we sing together, continue to minister to us by your Holy Spirit and set us free to trust you. Thank you that Nothing can separate us from your love. Thank you that we are more than conquerors through you. So increase our faith and, may, and give us the confidence that we see in Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And may Jesus be glorified. And we pray all these things in his name. Amen.